Yo, y'all, I fucking stretched time to be here. I swear to God. Like, two minutes. Hey, baby. <laughs> My son goes, stop. <laughs> um, Reiner, I'm talking to the ladies, my love. I'm going to tell them the story of when you were born, honey. And maybe I'm going to show the pictures. He likes this story. He likes the story of how he came to earth. He loves it. We have, we have blood on the wall in the bathroom downstairs. Um, but seriously, at like 57, hi. <laughs> at like 57, I decided I wanted to move the whole operation outside because it's so nice on the patio. And then I like needed ice water and went down and had to move all of the plugs. And I went downstairs and I ate a croissant and I was talking to my husband. I was like, oh shit, I gotta go. And all of that happened in three minutes. Like no ways, no ways. But I'm so, so, so excited because everything timed out perfectly. My husband is gonna be able to be here for the first part of this call. Cause I wanted to, uh, I had shared Reiner's free birth story with this podcast and the lady is really, they've done the free birth society podcast has done so much for educating women. Um, the only thing is that the hostess is a Sagittarius. So Sagittarius are all, you know, they're, they're not very sensitive, but uh, Sagittarius combined with like radical feminism, they can be fucking man haters sometimes. And uh, she insulted my husband on the podcast and it really hurt his feelings when it came out. And so I asked that the story be retracted because like, listen, biologically, I 100, and I agree with Free Birth Society, biologically, women don't need any help. There's really nothing anyone can do. But like having, not just during a pregnancy, but also during a birth, having a supportive partner was like everything for me. It was absolutely everything. I'm like, this is something I'm so happy that I found out or was at least curious about what kind of birth I wanted to have before I got pregnant. So educating yourself before you have kids or for your next kid, but educating yourself before is so important because it, what you think is possible and the type of woman that you think you are and how you feel about womanhood like how you feel about being a woman, about being able to bring new life into the world. Like it's a very, it's, it's amazing. It's the cool, it's the coolest thing in the whole world, but I couldn't have, um, but I really couldn't have done it without my partner. And I was like, oh, I've got to tell this story today. And I was sure every time Patrick leaves the house, he's usually gone for like five hours. But he got back so fast today. And, uh, and so he can tell this story with me. Because, like, listen, it's really hard for men to watch you go through something like that. And it's really, there's nothing that they can do. Like, there's nothing until, like, there's nothing anyone can do until you see the baby's head. Like everything, like there's nothing, and even then, you know, as much as doctors and hospitals love to like stroke your labia and ask you to shave your pussy before you have a baby, etc. Um, you know, there's really you're you're kind of just coaching. Oh my god, yeah. Yes. If you look up obstetric, I, I think I'm saying that word obstetric, obstetric violence. Um, there's so many birth videos, and they're always like, Oh, that doctor is so nice. Look at him. It's like why are you caressing my pussy when like a head's coming out of it? Anyways, um, 
you know, I, and I told the lady after the podcast aired, I was like, cause it, we listened to it together and we were like, Ooh, it just, it, it, it didn't have, and we had recorded for Brew Her Report, obviously like three days after birth. I told you guys a story. I was like, can't wait to share this with you guys. And, and we told it together. And so we had these two side by side, like this one on this huge podcast that was getting like tons of note. Like it was just, and it was the pilot for the second season. It was like this whole thing. And, um, but it just, it was, ins it was insulting. And it was, it, Patrick had said like, you know, if they had a resource or something for the men, cause we want to help you. Like we want to help you, but men it's solar. So it's like, must protect, must fix, you know, like to watch something women, we've always known, like it's gonna hurt. <laughs> you know, if you've been around one woman that's given birth in her life, she's like, it's gonna fucking hurt, of course. So you don't think it's abnormal. Like there was no point during the experience where I was like, I can't do this. It's too much. The thing is, is like, it gets to a level of intensity where all you can do is be with your body. You can't listen to anyone else. You can't comprehend anything else. You just have to like focus on the pain. And when you're that tuned into your experience, when your intuition speaks, it speaks really loud. So I don't know if you remember, but like when we were in the bathroom and I won't jump around, we'll, we'll start from the beginning, but there was a moment in the bathroom where, uh, the baby was about to come out and just for, I, I just had this thing. I was like, okay, get on all fours for one second. And listen, when you've got something that feels like it's coming out of your butthole and you're like, you have to think about every, you know, moving locations is like a big deal to go from like in a squat on the toilet down to all fours on a tile floor. But your intuition speaks really loudly during, during the birth experience. So like if there, if, if something's wrong, you're going to know. If something's wrong, you're just going to know. There's no way that you're going to be able to miss that. But the birth experience is like being on heavy duty psychedelics. And if someone wants to make it a bad trip, like think about, I've been arrested on mushrooms and like gone to jail, worst case mushroom scenario. But like birthing is like being on heavy duty psychedelics and going from like, yeah, I'm at home with all my like home things and my altar and like my blanket over there to like, and then someone called the cops, AKA the doctors. And the next thing I know, we're like in a hospital and then the doctor says they're going to do this. And then they cut me open and then I don't remember anything. And then my son's in the NICU, like, and it extends and it extends. You have to if you don't know what's normal, so like something you'll hear about in this birth story is, is very long labor, 46 hours of labor. Now, right around, I get it why people are scared at 40 hours of labor because 40 hours, you're like, okay, honey, it's been two days of you like in a lot of pain. You haven't eaten, you haven't slept, nothing's happening because you can't see, <laughs> you know? You can't see. There's nothing you can fucking do about it. But that's when doctors and midwives, you have to know, like, it, it, luckily, my sister was in labor for 52 hours. Um, I'm sorry, for 72 hours with her first son. So at least I knew that that was normal. I was like, I'll freak out after 72 hours. But like, until that, I had, I had committed to that. After the first day, like I had committed to that. Um, but had we been surrounded by any medical professionals, they would have definitely sent us to go for a cesarean because it wasn't moving. You know, the birth wasn't moving. And so uh, 
Patrick's role was super, super vital. But in this story, I'm also going to be telling you a little bit about how like important it is to know the, you know, to trust yourself, to trust yourself all the way to the very end, because like you can do it. And if something's wrong, you'll know. So I'm going to talk about how I discovered free birth and then Patrick, because luckily Patrick and I got pregnant like three days into knowing each other and uh, found out with the first period, you know, so we got to, we experienced at least nine full months of pregnancy together and it was really cool. But I, I had seen a past life reader, the first past life reader I ever had. And she told me about my core pattern as my soul, the first trauma that my soul ever had in its first life on earth. This woman's amazing. A lot of you have seen her, Erin Fogel. She's queen of swords bands on, on Instagram. She's like a $150 Canadian psychic fucking solid dude you will get so much the first session is the best one amazing amazing she's so good um but in this core pattern reading i found out that my soul was uh an initiate in the temple of venus but i wasn't so or you know something like that something to that degree and uh i wasn't supposed to have sex with anybody but i was really curious and i like ran off with someone in the middle of the night got pregnant got banished and was forced to birth my baby alone in an alley and for that whole life to, you know, created a pattern in my life of me feeling like if I'm not doing things perfectly, AA, Ashtanga Yoga, you know, priestess or whatever, that I'm going to get in trouble. And I miss out on the beauty of my, you know, mistakes. Anyways, of that whole story, I was like, birthing alone in an alley. Like, that sounds really cool. So that was how I heard of free birth. And I'm going to get, I'm saving my whole side for a huge, splashy, crazy looking tattoo of a priestess birthing in an alley with like blood and placenta and <laughs> very and Patrick gets to source me that that tattoo artist so how did you uh how did you even find out about the option that like doing it without doctors was possible I found out pretty close to when Evers found out she was pregnant probably maybe two weeks before. Uh, I was up at Sundance ceremony and a brother I was uh, fixing to dance with was there with his lady and she was pregnant and- And seven, seven months pregnant too, I think you said. Yeah. Like big pregnant. Yeah. And um, first question, typical boy or girl. And uh, he said, you know, well, we haven't really been going we haven't gone to any doctors and uh i was just like oh he said we're gonna birth the child on our own and i don't know what he said exactly you know to that tune but uh and it, i was just like oh okay all right, <laughs> all right then and he you told me that when you came back and uh yeah. and it came, he, before he even found out that i was pregnant because like we found out after we had gone through quite a bit of chaos both of us losing our homes in different ways that I've talked about before. Um, but finding out after we had chosen each other, after we had decided what it was that we were going to do, we found out we were pregnant as well. So the timing was really perfect. And it was actually right at this time in 2017. And so in 2017, I was pregnant and I didn't know it. And I was having a lot of dreams. Who here remembers Lionsgate that year? 
there was also a huge eclipse and you might have noticed some like big trends in the spiritual community like people were like whoa like every ayahuasca dealer <laughs> every ayahuasca dealer that i knew was like we're going to peru run for the hills all these things and uh i was having the same dream every night of basically like impending chaos and uh i was like we gotta get out of we gotta get out of here and we found out like right then that i was pregnant so we were we were like we have to get out of major cities we feel like shit's gonna hit the fan don't really know when don't really know how but like with the kit no like let's leave and that was really Heart. For me, I had been traveling for two years, but Patrick was born and raised in Austin, was like very rooted there as well. So it was a big, you made it look easy, but, uh, well, let's tell them how, cause people are gonna wonder like, well, what did your parents say about, and they said a lot about a lot of things, but we'll talk specific, just so that we're not here for like hours talking about it when you know you could be working out or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> doing something masculine but uh guns. yeah cleaning guns but <laughs> what did your so when your dad found out that we were pregnant oh my god pinche fucking patrick his dad comes over to surprise us i'm three months pregnant wearing tiny ass shorts his dad comes to surprise visit and i'm obviously pregnant and patrick hadn't told his dad yet and we're like walking around the house i'm like oh my god patrick you have to tell this is like excruciating for me i'm big boobs the whole fucking shebang and uh clearly pregnant and so i'm like oh i'm gonna go get them a drink or something and maybe with this alone time you know i gave them like 20 minutes or whatever to uh for Patrick to break the news to him. And when I came back with the drinks right then, Patrick just goes, Evis is pregnant. <laughs> and his dad was like, he goes, Patrick, I talked to you about this. Because <laughs> his dad had said when he met me. Well, we already knew we were hitting the road. So he's like, on top of hitting the road, just don't get pregnant too. Uh, There's a lot of loose ends. <laughs> But it was very, it was like very shocking for him. And he was helping us. Like we wouldn't have been able to get the trucking camper. I had made 20 grand in a week, but moving it from like my bank, getting cash from PayPal was going to be a really long time. And we had to leave my house. So we had to, so his dad fronted us the money for Patrick and this girl that he's like never met to drive down to the fucking Mexican border to pick up a fucking truck. And we may or may not be crossing the border and he fucking did i gotta tell him this thing because they uh when we went to get the money i i was like patrick you have to have to have to just pack a bag in case something happens on lions gate this eclipse or whatever i was like super pregnant I had been working really really hard i was just like peaking and uh and i was like we gotta get out of here right this minute but i we put the bags in the trunk and for some reason as we're driving off to mexico after his dad's just given us like 15 fucking grand patrick is like oh let me go see if i found this thing for you in the trunk and opens the trunk and his dad sees like our pack bags and everything's like patrick what the fuck um but the first thing your dad said to you is something about like you know that you're going to have to get prenatal care for this. Like, you know that you're going to have to go to doctors and do this the right way. You know, and Mary said we needed to be by a hospital. 
I don't think he knew then that we were planning to move out because we had no idea where we were going to go. But regardless, we were going to be hitting the road for a long time. And um, like, you know, we knew that it would be at least three months and that there was no fucking way that um, that we were going to be able to stop and see what a new midwife in every city. And I was a super hypochondriac. Like I was always worried that I had like a tooth infection or a fever or an undiagnosed brain tumor or something like that. And I knew that if I had a kid, all of that would just be, I would be go into such protective bubble mom mode that I wouldn't be able to have a wild kid. And it was really important to me to have like feral children. Um, so, and we got that so far so good. Um, but I, I knew that I had nine months until a baby arrived to stop being so like panicky around health. And at the same time, it would have been very inconvenient to go to midwives. At the same time, Patrick and I had both weirdly within the first month of meeting each other discussed this like no doctor approach to having kids. And we both just said yes to it. He was like, cool. There wasn't a big, so we really had that advantage. And something that I've heard is like how your partner responds to your birthing choice is a, is a litmus test for your whole relationship. Well, that might be true intellectually, emotionally it's leaving out this big part that like if your partner doesn't support you it's because they're scared so what you need to do is allay their fears like they're not assholes they're not standing in the way of your feminine power they're nothing like that and if you love them like try try and understand now fortunately patrick and there's a lot of free birthers in here so if your husband was supportive from the get-go or your partner was supportive from the get-go you know, raise your hand huge advantage to have but if they're not like that you don't have to just drop it but explain it to them and also it is your body so it is your choice and you're gonna want to make sure that they're happy about whatever the fucking situation is before you are actually birthing so don't put it off until the end because it's like a mushroom trip somebody can really easy like you know get panicky or whatever um so let's talk a little bit about i had also seen i'm gonna take this down the uh the business behind childbirth maybe it was called the business of being born the business of being born uh, prior to speaking with uh my brother so that that had put that had made me second put a lot of second thoughts into let them know that you're saying like native american brother and not like your actual Human, your actual brother Sundance brother yeah yeah because okay. Patrick's brother I wouldn't say was very I, his whole family was a little like oh my about pre-birth my family one of 11 hippie cool my family knows they can't tell me to do shit I'm like none of y'all are my role models let me <laughs> let me live my life so they didn't give it when I'm like yeah I'm hitting the road with somebody I met a month ago and I'm pregnant and we're not going to go to doctors we're going to homeschool our kid in the woods they were like great <laughs> living the dream <laughs> but Patrick's parents were a lot you know they're kind of like whoa about it um so during the pregnancy was really healthy, really easy. Um, signs I took of things being healthy. I was puking a lot, you know, like I was obviously pregnant. Four months in, 120 days, baby soul arrive. You start feeling the baby kicking at some point after that. I think you're a lot more aware of it with your second pregnancy. But these were all indicators that I had. 
Um, and sometimes I would stress out. I would be like, oh, the baby, I didn't feel the baby kick a lot today. Like, are they all right? Like, whatever. Um, and after I would go to sleep, the baby would usually, Ryder and I were always on different schedules. He would, I'd be hiking him out and then he'd be asleep, asleep, asleep. And then the second I liked, I would kick, kick, kick. Uh, and he loves to hear that story. But Patrick used to do little kick checks for like after I would fall asleep, he would like keep his hand on my belly and, check, and give me a little report in the morning. And um, there was a few times where there actually wasn't any time during the pregnancy where I wanted to go to the hospital one, for uh, the baby. One time you got scared, remember, we were riding bikes? Oh, oh yeah. I was scared. Ooh. So I can't work out at all, like during my pregnancies. Like I, I crave super... I, I crave like raw fruits and vegetables and that's basically it. Um, but if, if I am like, if I don't eat that, anything I eat before I smoke weed is like coming back up. So it's like when, when I smoke weed, I'm really, I know at the first bite of something, if I'm going to throw up or not, but when I don't smoke weed, when I'm pregnant, I like don't know that. And so, and I just end up eating like a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich, and then throwing up horribly and can't eat for the rest of the day. But as a result, I have like no spare energy. And Patrick and I were just getting to know each other. We were on the road and I didn't realize that like my husband's solution to everything is like work out more. Because my solution to everything used to be like work out more. But then I was pregnant, I just like literally couldn't do it. No, it couldn't, couldn't possibly. But we went on a bike ride together down at an Imperial Beach something about the motion of the bike. I was probably about five months pregnant. So right about now. And I was just, I, my whole stomach cramped up and there's a lot of, you know, you should know during pregnancy, there's a lot of discomforts, you know, there's things that they call, I don't know the names of any of them, but like your ligaments, things are moving around. Your back is going to be doing weird things. Um, but the indicators, if there was ever something in my head that was like, okay, it's time to go to the doctor. And the rule, like I get this question all the time, like, well, what if you need to go to the doctor? And this was always, we had two big mantras during this pregnancy, but it was always like, if we need to go to the doctor, we'll go to the doctor. So like, when do you need to go to the doctor? Okay, if you're bleeding, if you're having extended pains that don't go away, um, you know, if you just really, really, really feel like there's something wrong because something feels like it's wrong, then go to the doctor. They're always there. But if you don't need to go to the doctor, don't go. And so because I never felt like we needed to go to the doctor, we never went. Um, and there was one more thing that I wanted to add to that. We'd say we'd go to the doctor when you did put your arm in that little thing at the grocery oh, store. Oh, yeah, we were cute. We would to go. Appease, to appease, <laughs> to appease my folks. Yes, we would go to the, you know, anytime we went to like a Dwayne Reed or one of those hybrid West Coast pharmacy and supermarkets where they have like at the pharmacy, like, I have to squeeze your forearm a little, you know, the, that machine, we would go there, <laughs> we would go there and like I'd weigh myself, I'd be fucking 50 pounds different on every fucking one of those scales that I went to, but we would always, you could check your blood pressure there. And I was, I've always loved doing that since I was a kid. So every time we found one of those, we'd be like, cool, we did a doctor's appointment. 
and the baby was due probably, I, I think he was due on like the 20th or something like that because I was very concerned about the Aries Taurus cusp. I was very, <laughs> I'm an earth sign, my husband's a water sign and I've had like, a, you know, Aries the ram, Capricorn the goat. I've had, and like fire signs and earth signs aren't the most compatible um, because I'm very sensitive and fire signs are very insensitive. They're little fireballs all the time, zing, zing, zing. Um, but, but Reiner arrived on the 24th. And so here's the big, like looking back at it in hindsight, this is why things felt a little strange during this birth. When you're pregnant, the baby's head descends on your bladder and you have to pee, like every tablespoon of pee, you have to go pee that pee. And it's like at a 10, like I'm going to fucking piss myself if I don't do this. I'm going to get, they, I got some things sent to me, but they don't, they don't fit my, my pregnancy figure. But like, I mean, you're, it, it's just a pee situation. And my whole pregnancy, I was like, I'm going to piss the bed. One of these nights, I, if I get any bigger, I'm not going to have the energy to like get up and get out of bed and go pee. And I, we were camping for most of pregnancy. So it was like out of the camper, squatting outside, going back up with obstacle course. But towards the end, we were here. But I was like, I'm going to piss myself. I know it. I've never pissed the bed. All my friends have pissed the bed. I've never pissed the bed. Um, and I know I'm going to do it. And so the night that Reiner came, it was probably, I felt, you know, some heavy, low contractions, but, but nothing too crazy. And I was like, I'm going to go to bed and get some sleep. Before you're in active labor, you can do that. Even when you have contractions, you have a rest in between them. And like, you can either sit there going, oh, I'm gonna be so tired when the next one comes, or you can fold the laundry or something like that. You can do, but I think that's something that you only really, the first one you don't know, you know, you don't know. So I woke up probably around six o'clock in the morning wet and I said, oh my God, my water broke. And so that's what cute, I was expecting that from that moment, six hours later, the baby would be here because I know that the water breaking is the good indicator that like the baby is on the way, but actually I pissed the bed. So <laughs> and we went and got breakfast. And we went and, and got- And you were like, my water broke. Ah! <laughs> I was and I was so fucking proud of myself. Meanwhile, I'm like very two days away from actually being in active labor. And uh and I would I remember I did my I was doing Gyan Chakra at the time. I would did my Kundalini Kriya. I think I did a Bruha report. I was like walking around, I was like, eh. Everyone's bitching about this birth thing. I'm clearly having an orgasmic birth. The baby should be here by six o'clock at the latest, maybe in the jacuzzi. You know, like very and and Patrick and I were also checking, and this was something that um the lady on the podcast had teased us about was checking the cervix. Now look. The cervix is not a crystal ball, and I don't. I had never even looked up where my cervix was before I was in birth. Like, do you know where your cervix is? Like, come on, now I do, but I didn't know where my cervix. I didn't know where my cervix was I when I what I thought you know. was my cervix. What no, my cervix was what I thought was my G spot, and that my G spot just didn't work. <laughs> I thought it was going. That's what I thought was was up there. Um, 
and you know checking to see so the cervix and this is something that a lot of times if the cervix isn't ripened basically a ligament you know like holding the baby and holding the waters of the womb and everything in when it ripens when you're ready to birth your cervix will start to open or what they call like dilating and so it goes from being like right now it's not open whatsoever but as you become ready to to have the baby, it starts dilating up to whatever, you know, 10 centimeters or whatever the baby's head is. Um, but that's really just something that it, it's not going to change. Like none of these things are going to change that the fact that the baby's going to come when it's ready. And so sometimes like getting, having any timeline or any, you know, thinking that it's got to happen on this timeline or something's wrong, even with, you know, like, I, it didn't occur to me until like last year that I had pissed myself and that my water hadn't broken, even though I distinctly remember when my waters broke two hours before I had birth, because it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, like, what did our, what did Raymond refer to it as? Uh, chicken stock. He said. It's like a, a seer, you know, you'll, you'll know when you're, when your water breaks. Um, but it was, you know, the first day of labor. I, okay, so we were checking my cervix. Now, I guess to find your cervix, just to be crude about it, like you have the, you go in and you can take a right or a left, you know, and then or maybe you have to take another left. I don't know. Um, but we had gone in and made a left when you were supposed to make a right. And so we thought that was what some other region of my vagina, some other like canal of my vagina was my very, very open cervix. So in addition to, cause you go in and you open your fingers and however many fingers, you know, you, how wide you can put your fingers like this, that's how like dilated you are. But we went <laughs> over this way and doctor was like, wow, your water's broke and you're fucking 10 centimeters dilated. The baby should be here any moment. This is that legit like 10 o'clock in the morning on day. <laughs> on day one and um and so once we kind of i think it took a full day to figure out that it wasn't happening like that and uh by the morning of the second day we were still you know there was never a point i had contractions exactly every four minutes from the first one to the last one they they got more and more intense as the day went on but like every four minutes exactly so i didn't sleep that night at all and patrick really didn't sleep that night for some reason, we were watching Handmaid's Tale. We watched like two episodes of Handmaid's Tale. I was like, I can't watch this show. That was the last time we ever watched it. We had just started, I think, season two, where she basically just escapes and then she gets caught again. And I'm like, this show is about torturing women. Like, I just fucking can't keep watching. And especially, <laughs> especially not when I'm in labor. Um, but you didn't get a lot of sleep. And I think it's really important for whoever's around to do their best, even if they have to go in another room or something to get some rest. Because like when you're tired, when you're tired, when you're really tired and all of us know this, like you can be like, okay, whatever is just going to end this, you know, like anyone who's had their baby up all night or something like that. When you haven't slept, like the unreasonable seems reasonable. Um, but something looking back on it in hindsight, I wasn't actually seeking, I was waiting for the contractions to happen to me as opposed to seeking them out. Cause I was still trying to avoid the contractions basically. 
I was trying to avoid them because I didn't like them and I was suffering through them. And what really changed, what really started to pick things up was when it was probably, we'll cut way forward to almost birth. It was about five o'clock the next day. No, no, no. It was about three o'clock the next day. And, um, Oh my God, I just looked over at you and I forgot what I was going <laughs> It was about three o'clock the next day. Yeah, what was going on at three o'clock the next day? Uh, when I felt like we needed to go to the hospital. Oh yeah, so we started getting, we started well, getting pretty just, tired. Water still hadn't yeah. broken. Um, parents were checking up on us, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And it was starting to drag on. And again, like, look, you can't see anything happening. You know, you can't see anything happening Except whatsoever. You always see from my perspective is that you're in pain. Yeah. Nothing's happening. And that's really hard for them to see. And that's something that you want to know about and navigate before it's hard to communicate when you're in the birth portal. And honestly, it's like, don't fucking ask me any questions right now. Don't do anything except for what I tell you. Don't fucking look at me. Don't talk to me. Oh, Wait, really come right here, right now, right this second. You know, like that's a, this is really nothing for me to do, but bring you water, nothing, water nothing and so patrick just out of we had the spiritual midwifery or wifery book and we read the whole thing together while we were pregnant with reiner and um you know we knew that we didn't want to do it the midwife way so we were also able to take the book with a grain of salt but patrick trying to help because look you gotta know like the man always wants to help think about how concerned like i know that sometimes your cat wakes you up before the house burns down but like a dog wakes you up with like are you okay are you okay like all the time they're super they always want to help and so uh so Patrick started reading the book and he's in all the diagrams about breach positioning and stuff like this. And, uh, and he was started to get a little bit nervous. And I guess you would talk to your dad. I was getting messages yeah, from, my, from my dad, letting me know that I was, had to be responsible for the safety of everybody. Uh, that's masculine. Yeah. That's masculine, you know, and that's, but these are things that you want to navigate like beforehand, because now like looking at going into our second birth and just, uh, well, not four months, but in December, um, there are so many things that we'll do differently. You know, there's like, and I'll start seeking out contractions from the first one. There's only so much, you, you know, there's only so much you can do, but there's a hell of a lot that you can do in between. And there, you know, and nature has cycles like this. Sometimes it's really hard. And in the hard times, yes, you have to be there. But when it's times of rest, like rest, enjoy it. Don't have to make a big deal out of it. Um, but I, and this was what really changed it for me. So I was like, Patrick, you need to take a nap and uh and he's like okay i can do that and we were downstairs you know by that point it's like you know like psychedelics you get into the one room you know and then they were like and then i was in that room for like six hours we had been in the room and so patrick uh took a little nap and i changed i put on some mantras i opened up all the windows because i remembered in spiritual midwifery that like you know it, it's like psychedelics sometimes you can start to get into a weird place and before you know you're like wearing your cloak and like the cat ladies out and like 
you, you know, so sometimes you need someone to come over, open the window, switch up the energy, be like, and, and this is where the witches, they always birth with their hair down and not braided because braids tie up the birth that holds your power and you need to be crazy. And I, and as Patrick was starting to get worried, like I didn't want to be crazy because I didn't want to worry him because I didn't want to go to the hospital. Um, and you can't like, you can't talk about these things usually while you're birthing. So these are things you want to know, like beforehand. And, uh, but I smoked some weed, changed the mantras and I started marching my little butt around the room, like looking and I get the contractions. I go in a deep squat, but go marching around the room, marching around the room. And Patrick woke up probably around like, like four, I don't even know if you slept, but he was like, I think that, uh. I think that we need to go to the doctor. So why don't you like zoom in on this experience? Because a lot of people, I, I've been so lucky to have met so many of y'all's partners and even luckier to meet some of y'all who haven't met your life partners yet, because this will be one of the standards, you know, like somebody that supports you, somebody that listens to you, someone that you can communicate with. Like this is the most important decision of your life is who you choose to have kids with. And so if you know, you know, if you know what you want, not like runaway bride where she didn't know how she liked her eggs in the morning, like you have to know what it is that, that you want so that, uh, you can attract somebody that supports that, but, uh, but they're going to want to help you, you know, they're going to want to help you and that's them loving you, you know, that's them caring about you. But this was a, this could have be become like a really tense moment in the birth where, you know, something that we were doing together and then something that we had to also get some space in. So what happened like around that moment? Like you just woke up scared? Or? I had been speaking with my dad more and he just made me feel like I wasn't being responsible. And I also had in my head that everything should have happened by now. Uh, didn't really know that it could go that long. So all that added up and I just felt like we needed to, that I would be neglecting Everest and my unborn child at the time. We didn't go, like that the information I was getting, that's what we had to do. So I said, I told Everest, I felt like we needed to go to the nearest hospital, which is still an hour and 15 minutes away, 30 minutes down bumpy dirt roads and uh you were real calm with me you said you know okay uh if you think that's what we need to do and then we did we call your mom then so we facetimed we facetimed my mom and this was right when i was starting to transition into active labor so we had we had facetimed my mom and my mom's had 11 kids almost all of them at home except for the ones that were born in brazil because home birth is illegal there should look into that agenda um or it was illegal it might be legal now but they still have like a 93 percent c-section rate it's just you know you get pregnant and they're like and when would you like to schedule your c-section and that's just it um but I called her and my mom's attended like over 200 births and stuff because people always wanted her there because she had just had so many kids and uh, they knew that she'd be calm about it. and she's an Aquarius so she tells me you know it could be a few more days for you it could be a few more days like this and uh, 
I was like, well, how do you, how do you know that I'm not in active labor? And she was like, well, if you were in active labor, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. And I was like, okay, I get it. Um, but she told Patrick, and this was perfect. This was such a divine piece of the puzzle. Um, there's always third force, you guys, always. Uh, but Patrick, uh, she told Patrick, well, listen, if you feel like you got to go to the doctor, then you got to go to the doctor, but you better bring everything that you need to have that baby in the truck because there's a really good chance that that's where it's going to happen. And Patrick was like, all right. And we had, our truck was breaking. It's the truck that we drove around with the camper on it to get here. This truck had to be plugged in for like two hours before it was warm enough to turn on. Cause it has like one spark, one glow plug. And uh, it was our one vehicle piece of shit. Wasn't going to happen. Um, and so I'm going to zoom into like my headspace at the time because I was able to be like, okay, I understand that like you're the one person I trust. You're the one person that's been with me this whole time. Um, but I got to listen to myself on this. I got it like, no, this is not something that I want to do. But so I had to run myself through like, how do I know that we don't need to go to the hospital? How do I know that this is not a sign? And the only, you know, I saw some people had made like birth altars and stuff like that. The only thing that I did was I wrote, I trust my body on the top of my belly on that first contraction. That was the only thing I had. Um, but I was like, there was not one point where I was like, there's something wrong. I didn't feel like it wasn't supposed to hurt. Didn't feel like it was supposed to take a long time. And the key pieces of reference for me was knowing and hearing of women who had had really long births. That was not something abnormal to me. So for you, like educating yourself on the wide range of normal. So that's nothing shocking to you, but I didn't feel like we needed to go. And so I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I am having this baby here. And I, I okay. And that was it. So Patrick had gone to set up the truck. I said, okay, you go set up the truck. Cause I knew it was going to take a really long time and that I needed to be by myself. Cause I needed to like get really weird. I had to like, you know, like do some crazy screams and like pound the floor and like scream obscenities and all of that. And I didn't want him to get worried. So I needed, and he was like, and my mom had told him, you pack everything to have a baby. So like, if he had come back before I was ready, I would have been like saran wrap every inch of the truck. Make sure there's not one exposed piece of fabric. Come report to me when you're done. Um, but when Patrick came back, I guess about an hour later, what, what type of situation did you come back to after that? Well, I had calmed down just being out uh, away for a little bit. And I knew, and not talking to anybody either, I knew that I just needed trust whatever it was I felt and uh, and just stop trying to do stuff too. Uh, but I had the truck on and so I knew this the truck was still on and I come in to let Everest know. We're also talking about 14 miles of bumpy New Mexico dirt road <laughs> like I would have to stop and pee five times just before we leave. In an old bumpy Two-wheel drive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I knew, I knew that I needed to chill. That it probably wasn't gonna happen. That we weren't gonna go to the hospital. But I hadn't 
still had let go of it all the way and come into the room i see everest she's just in a different state for sure uh things are clearly moving she's more i don't know if you can say in charge but more yeah in charge determined uh sure of things this is the moment that i claimed my power you guys like this is the moment that i claim my power as a woman i see a lot of nodding heads here so it's like you know <laughs> things will get scary like in the birth in the birth portal like that shit will happen people around you might start to get worried and the thing is is that you everyone can do this like they they didn't used to perform c-sections unless the woman had already died so like that was never an option before and yeah like some people died in childbirth that's how to, you know that's that shit that went down but it didn't go down a lot we have a disproportionate idea of the success of homebirth because i swear to god there's not one fucking show that we've watched on hbo or whatever anything that has like enough seasons to for a person to be born in it the homers always go terribly wrong. They're always constantly dying in childbirth. And that's like really not how it goes. We wouldn't have this many people in the world if that many people died in childbirth. Um, but if you, the, the thing that makes me saddest about people that were coerced into having a C-section, and it takes a really brave person to be able to say that they were coerced into having a C-section because everybody says to you, I was saving your life. You know, the people closest to you, I was saving your life. And so you feel indebted where you wanted to feel powerful. And it's just a different experience. Like I changed, I became like a different woman in that moment. And the birth really started to progress and about an hour after that. So at that point, oh, I'm puking. If I had eaten anything in the last 48 hours, I probably would have been shitting, but I would, I pooped one fucking black coal this big. <laughs> and Patrick had to go throw it outside, but it was enough for me to be like, I don't, I don't want to shit myself in front of my husband again. Like I'm going to go into the bathroom. So like heavy psychedelics guys, like when people talk about ayahuasca, you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to be puking and have diarrhea in front of everybody. No, even under the gnarliest of conditions, you can get your, your you know, that you can still think. And so you're not like incapacitated. You can trust your wisdom in the birth portal more so than ever more so than ever, even if everyone's telling you something's wrong, ask yourself. Cause like, you're the only one having those contractions. You're the only ones that knows what nobody else can know. If something's wrong, you're going to know it. And you have like, you have to trust that wisdom. At some point we have to start listening to that voice. Cause you know, what's happened every time you haven't listened to that voice, you still hear that voice for the rest of your life. Being like, should have listened, you know? So it doesn't go away when you ignore it. Is that clear? It doesn't go away when you ignore it. So like, and, and trusting that, especially that transition to motherhood. Cause like at what point, does your autonomy begin like as a parent it starts with the how should you prenatal care then it's how should you birth then it's vaccines or not then it's fucking schools or not then it, and before you know it like at what point does it begin that you're that you're like i'm the parent and i'm making the decisions here we had a guy tell us we had to get uh, a child baptized yeah but don't trust anything a southern comfort drinker says you know what i mean <laughs> I, 
the big <laughs> the red flag. Like, I'm not gonna. You know, the guy, the guy whose name was the captain, swore the colonel swirled his fucking southern comfort and said, "Like, get that kid baptized and take prenatal vitamins." Literally everyone. And he's got that that syndrome where you talk way louder than you have to be talking. <laughs> It is. A, I would definitely call that a syndrome. Yeah. Um, they, but everyone's going to give you their two cents. And a lot of it is, you know, rooted in these stories of how home birth always goes I wrong. I tell people a lot too, because they would say, oh, you, you're going to do it yourself? Have you, ever, have you ever delivered a child before? And I'd say I delivered some kids before, because uh, I delivered goat babies that are called kids. Ah! <laughs> And uh, so I'd say I deliver kids. Yeah, I delivered uh, four, four or five kids. And then, oh, okay. Okay. So, just get people off your back. So, here's where Patrick was really like in this. I mean, so the whole time though, like having, I could, biologically, I could have done it alone. But like having some, it's nice to have somebody there, someone that you can trust, but also like you're the boss. Don't forget it. You're the boss in that situation. They don't want anyone because what they're always going to say to you is like, you're going to die. The baby's going to die. Like that's literally, no one ever wants to hear that. You know, you're going to bleed out. You're going to this, you're going to, and you're just like, oh my God. And that was our second mantra for pregnancy was like, it's from the Tao Te Ching, but it says, must we fear what others fear? Like, do we have to be afraid of what other people are afraid of? Like, just because you're scared of it doesn't mean I have to be. But we got unsolicited. There was two people that were supportive of our choice to free birth. One was my stepbrother and his girlfriend, now wife, now baby mama, Bridget, and a doctor that had delivered like 2,000 babies. It's like, yeah, two you're doctors. fine. Oh, two doctors? Is there a couple remember? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so two doctors, and they were like, yeah, you're going to be fine. So we had moved. And he also in- told us that if the kiddo is not breathing right away, just turn him upside down and start giving him a few pats. Yeah. And just what, and we'll talk about that too, about the, the slow starters, you know, like basically everyone's a slow starter. Um, something interesting. So, and it was, I said this in the beginning, but this is where it happened. I was on the toilet having very, very, very heavy labor, very, and, and you get to a point where all you can do is push. So like, you don't need to, if you push, push, push on that first contraction, because you think your cervix is open or whatever, like it won't feel, you know, you'll literally feel like nothing's happening. So don't do it. That's when you get like major hemorrhoids, you get all exhausted, like, and, uh, and if you do get hemorrhoids after childbirth, that's a thing. Coconut oil will be your friend, but that's what, you know, you have to know what's normal. These are women things. <laughs> like women have to, have to talk to each other. But, um, so, but I had gotten on, I just heard a voice in my head said, get on all fours. And I said, yes, sir. No problem. Got right. I'm yes, ma'am. No problem. And got right on the, uh, just on my hands and knees for one contraction. And the baby came out to, I got back on the toilet. And when I was, once I got back on the toilet, Patrick said, I can see the head. And that's when everything like, and here's something cool to know about childbirth. When Patrick said, I can see the head. So we're all like, oh, isn't that where it's going to be the most painful or what it is that you're most scared of or whatever, the thing that's like incomprehensible to imagine. Um, There wasn't anything that was like, oh, this is going to hurt so much or, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. I was like, yes, it's coming out. (laughs) This birth is going to be over. There's actually a baby. Um, and Patrick did, 
you know, he helped me go. I, if I, it's really helpful to have somebody that can see that for you because it's, it, it just changes. You're like, Oh my God. Yes. It's go time. Like when you're in labor that heavy, like understanding that the whole baby is like in your vaginal canal right now. Some people think to go and feel, and you'd be able to feel the baby's head, which would be really exciting for you. Um, but I wasn't in a state where I could do that. So having somebody that could see what was going on down there and be like, all right, it's going to be probably like two more pushes judging with how much the baby's descending every time. And then, uh, once the head came out, I remember seeing that baby's head come out and I was, I was yelling pretty loudly between contractions, but I swear to God, that contraction where his head was coming out, I screamed and I, it might've just been a silent thing because Patrick doesn't remember hearing me screaming, but I literally felt like my body, the maiden shield that I'd been wearing in my life was like torn off and my body was like split in half that I like gone out of body. And then I looked down and the rest of the body was coming out. Patrick was holding their baby. <laughs> and when you tell this part because or how you saw that coming down because that was really funny last time with the butthole. Oh. Yeah, his ear was I could see his ear initially. And his ear was so like sucked to his head uh thought it was a butthole like, <laughs> so i thought he was coming out butthole first at first and so confused and then i realized it was his head <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and it wasn't a big deal from there but uh i could feel i felt his head and, and in that book it said to feel if the cord after that and i could feel the cord was wrapped around his neck a couple times uh so just let Everest know that was going on and that you know she needed to keep going keep pushing pushing them out and uh and 90 percent of the time the cord will be around the neck like 90 percent and like babies also you know born blue born white born all kinds of you know weird colors covered in vernix not covered in vernix um so don't and like this is the importance of the placenta like you have to know the placenta is the piece of you that goes along with that baby the whole time they're in here the whole time it's an organ that you grow it's supplying them with oxygen with food with everything so when you see babies born in water birth you're like oh my god that kid's head has been plunged underwater for five minutes isn't it drowning and it's that for up to five minutes after birth after coming out everything the baby's still getting the oxygen from the placenta so it's really you know when we get into an urgent state of mind like oh my god you know like patrick could have said cords wrapped around his neck interpreted that as like danger time to move immediately i could have like over pushed ripped the you know ripped my vagina which i luckily or tore which wouldn't um you know i i think i probably would have gotten stitches for that but i i didn't so having that perspective but also not panicking you know i mean like okay cool and you'll be so surprised at how cool and cool you're you're very in very close contact with your intuition so you're not behaving like you know a, a powerless version of yourself um but Reiner was, I did, I'd say he started up and he, uh, he started breathing. Not right away. Uh, he came out and yeah, he was a little, probably a little bluish. And, uh, but I just remembered what that guy said to do. It was like the last comment he said as we were walking away. Turn upside down, give him a few pats. And so uh, 
so I did. And, and around these paths, I think you found out that he was a boy. Well, I, no, I saw he was a boy as soon as he came and popped out all the way. And <laughs> you located his and real bubble. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, it's a boy. And I remember going, it's a what? It's more like, it's a boy. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I thought I saw the bulls. I said, it's this a boy. I couldn't believe it. Now, I had wanted a girl that entire pregnancy, but it was like I had forgotten that boys exist and that I got something I didn't know that I wanted. I was like, oh my God, look at his balls. You know, <laughs> great. This is going to be fun. And, uh, and it has been fun since then. You didn't you suck a little bit of fluid out from. No, 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 no. I'm pretty no. sure you did. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, but I don't think I got anything. I think I put it, I think I. I Felt like his nose might be a little stuffed up. So I like sucked this knot out of his nose. It's like our thing. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just little things to be aware of. Just yeah. Yeah. Like, and you'll know, you know, it's very odd. It's very obvious. Like, okay, I feel like I need to blow this kid's nose. I can't get, you know, you're like, okay, I'll suck his boogers out. Like, that's yeah, fine. you didn't even hesitate. It's just like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's how that, and that's how it was. Placenta came out real fast. Placenta came out right afterwards. Oh my God, it was great. And then just to close this up, it was so nice. We all got in bed together. Something really funny was we're like, oh my God, we're parents. Patrick, we can't let the baby get cold. You have to build a fire right now. And he's like, okay. It was like April 26th in New Mexico. So it's still like cold at night. But oh my gosh, Patrick built that hottest fire i've ever felt and all of us were like including the baby we're like red and so i was like oh we gotta go and open all the doors and we we chose to cut his cord because we didn't have candles around for some reason we were pretty broke at the time and i, I think 30 bucks on candles from amazon on tapers but we're definitely going to do that this time because um it cauterizes so you don't have to worry about like it getting infected or anything and cutting it's a the only thing is that it like smells like burning flesh apparently but the lotus birthing thing of you know keeping the baby on the on the placenta which i totally like i totally get but i can't fucking carry around a placenta covered in rosemary for like three weeks after that it's just a no thing a no for me and we ate the placenta that time um this time i'm probably gonna bury it in the cave in the ongo and the mushroom cave because i want to grow a series of mushrooms in the in the old mud sweat lodge and it's going to take me some years to build up the soil so i think that that would be a good place to start that conversation with the lamb with an with a good offering a placenta is a pretty damn good offering and if you have your baby at the hospital even if you didn't want to you get your placenta don't let them keep it um cord too if you can i think they'd take it yeah i think they take everything and a little piece of your kid's dick yeah. and all this kind of very 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 strange yeah. um is there anything that you want to add for you know knowing the position that you were in is there anything that you want to add to the men that'll be listening to this down the road like wondering how and maybe even address like somebody that went that that is more concerned about it maybe somebody that's living and under that parental pressure or something like that um uh start researching stories that support uh what you want to do that support what you what your what your wife is has the intention of doing uh there's a lot more out there that 
says otherwise and says that you need to go in the hospital. A lot more people that say otherwise, I feel like personally. Um, and don't make any decisions really think about really think about the decisions you're gonna you're gonna make uh regarding if you need to go to the hospital uh, for me i just had to i just had to be busy with something there's nothing for me to do like seeing everest in that pain what i thought was was just pain and nothing happening was, was real hard so as hard as it is to be doing something else you almost need to be doing something else and, you, and women used to the men weren't allowed to hang out in the birthing room because it's very anxiety inducing for them they're like look go do something you know what you should do go get drunk with your friends go get drunk with your go get drunk yeah. with your friends and come back when it's done maybe not that well but, that's how but that's how they used um, to do it in like the medieval days oh, um the men would just yeah 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 feasting. they'd be like yeah. feasting you know they're like great all y'all are busy and, but uh, I wasn't needed until I have actual birth, really, you know, so. Oh, and let's bring this up. So after retelling this story and us both telling our options on it. So I pulled the, I pulled the podcast. It took some negotiation, but I pulled it because I didn't want to be, when I was listening to that podcast, I just felt, I was like, oh man, everyone's husband's a dick on this show. Like, I feel so bad for all these people that just have like these asshole husbands. Um, but then like when I heard my story and our story through the lens of this podcast, um, my husband sounded like a dick too. And it's really important for me to not like support that narrative because I really believe in soulmates. I really believe in spiritual partnership. I really believe that like women are supremely talented, but you have to learn how to let men help you. It's very, you have to learn how to let your partner help you. You have to learn how to receive. And that's like understanding, you know, like how solar is likely to respond in this situation. Like, I really feel like as a culture, a lot of us aren't nearly picky enough about who we settle down with, but also like we call it quits really fast. And you have to, learning, having a spiritual partner, being with somebody that, that challenges me and provokes me in the way that my husband does, I'm learning new things about myself all the time from this relationship, but that's because like, I'm willing to, and I need, you know, once you start shutting your husband or your, your spiritual partner, or that, that opposing force in your life, once you start shutting them out and being like, why, why are you even here? Like, why are you, you can't come back from that. And that's you not being willing to receive help. So I really wanted to promote the conversation of like showing your partner how they can support you during this, you know, like how, how they can be helpful, what it is that you really like, what it is that you prefer, um, you know, they stop doing because you're, that's, I don't know. I've just, I really, I think that the experience of us trusting ourselves and each other um, was just, I think that our unassisted pregnancy and childbirth really enhanced that. But anyways, I had that podcast full down and then like two weeks later, I heard some Patrick telling someone that he delivered the baby himself. And I was like, excuse me. Do you remember how mad I got uh, at it you? It wasn't quite 
that I, that person asked if I delivered the baby, I think I just said yes. No, that's not how it went. But even if that did, even if that did, that's not how it went down either. But after revisiting this story, I was like, do not fucking ever say that you delivered that baby again. Now I understand that that's also solar, you know, it's like, I want to like put my flag on it or whatever, put my penis that, on it. And that's that common question that people say, oh, when, the, when, I, when, I, when I say that we had a home birth, though, they say, oh, you delivered the baby. That's so like it's the, your response. So, so when somebody says that to you, this. now now what do you say to them? Because Patrick, the fucking well guy asked yesterday if Patrick had two wives. And instead of vehemently denying it, because he does not, he said, it's not as cool as it looks. So not only did he say that he does have sister wives, but he said that it like sucks. And so he's in double trouble right now. And it's right. It is not as cool as it looks because you just have two bosses and none of the sex. Um, But so sometimes in the heat of the moment, Uh you say, so if somebody asks you if you delivered the baby, what are you going to say? The baby. I'm going to smack you until you say the right answer. The baby delivered. The baby delivered. The baby baby delivered. You're going to say. The baby birthed itself. The baby birthed itself. Well, that's neutral, but I don't really feel like that's celebrating the feminine aspect. What do you say? Well, just say it's not as cool as it looks. <laughs> you can tell them that. <laughs> no, you say that. You can say I was there. Or You know what I would like you to say? When someone asks if you delivered the baby, say babies aren't delivered, they're born. That's it. Nobody needs to deliver a baby. Like, and I'm telling you, there's, it's not going to hurt less at the hospital. It's not going to come out of a different hole if you go to the hospital unless you get a C-section. Like, this is just, this is how birth works. Like, all this did, is how all it I did was catch him. All you did was catch him. Yeah. And so, uh, and so I think that that concludes our birth story. Thank keep, you. Keep, guys keep your minds clear you know don't go down those roads of what could happen that fucks with you so just try to let things happen instead of try to predict the future and what are you going to do this time what are you I'll do with yeah i'm sure serena will be here someone will be Maybe. here but we were not allowing like this baby's due right around christmas there was like a temptation to invite some of the in-laws out. I'm like, nobody, nobody, nobody is allowed to come here until the baby, until after the baby is born. Because like every new person in the room brings their own energy, their own agenda. It's, it's their shit. You don't want like their shit in that time. Um, so, well, thank you, Patrick. Thank you so much for being a part of the, Thank you for your sperm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your support. And uh, yeah.